And today, she we're going to begin the third stage of Kenyanim, and that's the stage where the halacha of Mishapara applies. This stage is after cash was given for a movable item. For example, a person purchased a bottle of soda or a couch, and he paid in cash. However, he has not physically acquired the soda or the couch. Therefore, we're in a state of limbo before he acquires it, but after he pays for it. So, what's the status of the item? What's the status of the couch? Who owns this couch before physical acquisition? So the Gemara tells us, in Bab Metziah Daf Mem Zayin Amad Beis, Amar Rabbi Yechanan, Dvar Torah Ma'oiz Kainos. According to the Halacha in the Torah, cash is Kaina. Cash itself would be the acquisition. There would be no need for a further act of Kenyan. So the actual payment itself would qualify, first of all, as the payment, and second of all, as the act of acquisition. However, the Gemara continues and says as follows, Therefore, why did Chazal say that Meshicha is what you're supposed to use to be Kaina? He might tell him, your wheat was burnt in the attic. Meaning to say like this, a person is going to receive payment, let's say $10,000, for a truckload of wheat. And then, a week later, when the wheat should have been delivered, the buyer calls the seller and says, where's my wheat? The seller says, oh, I, I didn't want to tell you, but I mean, there was a fire in the warehouse and your wheat burnt down. So, if money would be a valid form of acquisition, then the seller would be in the right, because it wasn't his wheat that burnt, it was the buyer's wheat. Even though the buyer never got it, but it belonged to him. So the seller will not take the loss. So therefore, Chazal said that cash is not going to be enough to do the trick. Cash is just going to be the actual payment, but not the physical Kenyan. Obviously, a Kenyan without payment wouldn't be enough because no one would agree, there wouldn't be no Gamir's Das. So here we have the payment, but we don't have the actual physical acquisition. And Chazal required that aside from payment, you also need physical acquisition of the item in order for the item to belong to the buyer. Therefore, in the case of the truckload of wheat, the truckload will belong still to the seller, and the seller will have to take the loss. So therefore, Chazal understood that every seller would make sure that such a thing won't happen to his wheat. So as long as the item will remain in the resource of the seller, we can be sure that the seller is going to be Meister Nefesh, he's going to exert himself to protect the wheat from any loss. That's what Chazal, in their great wisdom, instituted that there should be another step to the process, and that's a physical acquisition. Now the Gemara asks an obvious question, Why do we need to worry about the buyer and the seller? Whoever lit the fire, he's supposed to reimburse. So whoever, the person, the loser, the person who lost his wheat. So let's say the buyer was the one who owned it, so he'll get his money back, so what do we care? So the Gemara says, we're not referring to intentional fires. We're not referring to arson over here. We're talking about It was the Gezeir of Chazal in cases where the fire might have started and therefore we cannot um, hold 
we cannot hold uh, responsible the seller. The seller would not be responsible. For example, let's say lightning hit the wheat. The seller is not responsible for the lightning. And therefore, you could tell the buyer it was your wheat. So Chazal made a gzera. Shema yitipod leka behindus. He Therefore, but what we have, we require that there should also be an act of of Mashiach. Why? Because e mukan If you're going to say that this wheat still belongs to the seller, it still remains in the property of the seller. Maser nafshei. He's going to be maser nafesh. Tarach umatzel. He's going to save it. Eloi. But if he's not, if he has no skin in the game. He's not going to sell it. He's not going to bother uh, being nice enough to save it. Sorry. So therefore, there's a zero that after cash payments, removable items, we do not say that the item belongs to the buyer yet. We require an additional step of Mashiach. Now, this means, technically, that either side should be allowed to back out until the Mashiach takes place. So, on one side of the coin, Chazal prevented um, a situation of loss. We made, made sure the Chazal ensured that people properly uh, engage in proper practice over here. That they they ensure the item until it, it's received by the buyer. But on the other hand, we seem to run into a problem here. If you think about it, the Chazal opened up the door for people to back out of sales until they acquire it. So you can have a situation where you go to someone, you give him money, and then you back out. Why? Because you could say, Oh, Chazal said it's not kinda. It's not going to be kind of, give me back my money. So that's obviously going to create another uh, host of problems in, in, in the world of commerce. And therefore, Chazal, in anticipation of this, they instituted a different takana. And for that second takana, we're going to turn to Daf Memches, which is the next page of the Maram Kaimis, And it says on the top like this. Now, this is a, refer- a reference to the halacha in the Mishnah that a dinuzar will not purchase a talus, which means to say that Chazal did not allow it, like we just said before, before any Mashiach was made. he is going to be paying back from people that do not keep their word. So the Gemara tells us like this. So since we're going to have a situation that, that would seem to allow for people to back out of an agreement until physical acquisition, until a Mashiach is made, until an actual act of a kidney is made, therefore we can um, have a problem that people will back out and we have to institute a, a, a preventive measure to, to stop that from happening. And that is that's known as the klolo, the curse of Mishapara. The cash curse. The curse of Mishapara is that a person just paid with cash. He's not koina, but he's subject to a curse if he backs out. Now, this applies both to the buyer and both to the seller. If either one backs out, the Mishapara curse will apply. And the Gemara is going to tell us later on in Dafim Chesam and Beis that that, can actually, that curse is actually personalized. We say you, Hashem, who paid back from the Daramabal and Daraflog, etc., will pay back will repay from you, will punish you for backing out. We we basically direct the curse at the person in Besdin. Now obviously this seems you know, in today's day and age to tell someone he's gonna get a curse would say, would you know, by some people would sound comical. 
Um, obviously, a yid who believes in Chachamim would, would, you know, understand that to get a curse from Chachamim is a terrible thing. But our Chashulchan says that Chachamim beat us to it, even for people that don't necessarily believe in them. And that is, that the reason, there's something very peculiar about this curse, obviously. Why does it say over here that the curse is that Hashem, who paid back for the Dara Mabel and the Dara Flaga and Stoyim Vamayra, should curse this person who backed out on an agreement after paying cash? It would seem very, very, a very queer kind of curse. Wouldn't it simply just say, it would have been easier just to say that Hashem should pay back from people who don't keep their word? So the Aruch HaShulchan explains a beautiful pshat. The Aruch HaShulchan says that Hashem wants that, uh, the Chacham, I should say, wanted in that the person who's hearing the curse should think that this curse is no simple curse. It's something that's not only going to be some kind of spiritual curse on him, but it's actually going to affect his business. Why? Because a person who's, who's cutthroat, who backs out on people, who slices people, who doesn't keep commitments, he doesn't keep his word, why is that? Because he worships the dollar. He lives for the dollar. That's all that matters to him. All that matters to him is to make money. So he's willing to cut everyone, to, to lose friends, family, it doesn't matter, just to get the dollar. So the Aruch HaShulchan says that these people, these, this list of people that were punished, were all people that were punished here in this world. They didn't wait to Ganeda, I mean, to Gehenim, I mean, they didn't wait till the next world, when, after they passed away. You tell that to someone who's living for the dollar, he's, it's too far off for him to comprehend. But if you tell him, one second, Hashem paid back from people here in this world, right over here, your business is going to get destroyed, you're going to go bankrupt right here. Oh, one second, that's a business problem already. That's going to affect the dollar. If that's going to affect the dollar, one second, maybe, maybe at least I should be somewhat careful um, not to get myself into this situation. And therefore, uh, I, I would, I'm going to have to keep my word. So Chazal made this new interesting kind of curse to prevent people from backing out after the stage of cash. So to summarize, Chazal said that since people cannot just buy with cash or else they're not going to properly keep their word and they're not going to, I'm sorry, they're not going to properly keep an eye on the item, they're not going to pay attention to the, to the buyer's wheat or couch or whatever it was unless the buyer actually takes it. Therefore, Chachamim said that the item must remain the sellers until the buyer takes it. And therefore, furthermore, neither side can back out because they're going to be subject to this curse. So even though the sale wasn't a full-blown sale, but nonetheless, it helps en- enough to create a situation um, of, of that there's a, there's a level of, ki- of commitment that anyone who backs out would be now subject to this curse. So the Chassam Seifer, in the Chuvis, Yerudea Simon Shin Yudalit, he says, a, he has a Chakira, he has a question. How do we understand the, the, the curse over here of Mishapara? How do we understand the connection of the Mishapara to the Kenyan? Is the Pshat that Chazal totally abolished the Kenyan, and the Kenyan is, in other words, like this, they said that Kenyan of cash is not kind at all. It's not kind at all. You have to have a Mashiach to be kinder. However, since they don't want people just to back out, they instituted a sort of a side deterrent of Mishapara. Or no. Or do you say that, that the Pshat in the 
the terms of Mishapara is that they left the Kenyan of cash in place, but they drew, all they did was they reduced its effectiveness. Instead of it being fully effective to actually acquire the item, they left it only partially effective, that it's enough ownership that if someone backs out, he's being a scoundrel and he deserves Mishapara. So is it the Pshat that they totally eradicated the Kenyan of Kesef, and, they, and, they, and now from now on, Mashiach is what's going to do the whole thing, and Mishapara is just to prevent anyone from backing out, or no, or do we look at it that Chazal left the Kenyan of Kesef in place to the level of Mishapara, at the, at the volume of Mishapara, but not at the full-blown volume of Kenyan. So I'm sorry to like this. Lavachi nearly the Talib Pukas Razov Rambana, to Machlaikas Rambana Balamar in Parakazov. The Halarazah, according to the Balamar, calls man Sha'in Echod Mayam Khaizerboy, Havi Mekah Gomer. In other words, let's say the cash payment was done, and we have this Mishapara as a deterrent. But nobody backed out. Nobody backed out. So, there's no real reason to prevent the sale from going through. Unless something happens to the item, but let's say nothing happens to the item, so do we say the Mekach is a full-blown Mekach, Vachrayas al-Lekeach, and Vachrayas al-Lekeach, Vitzaruch lachzar koidem sheyipo d'leko, haval achakach l'matzim ahederbe. But once, let's say a fire comes, he can't back out anymore. In other words, the Balamar says that if the buyer who has not made the Mashiach yet, he just gave the cash, he's not made the Mashiach yet, and he sees a fire coming. So Chazal said that the sale is not final because we're afraid the seller is not going to take care of it. So the buyer has the right to back out. Now we're going to see, the Gemara says, that, that there's a concept of backing out without penalty when there's a situation of loss. In other words, you can't penalize someone for backing out. You can't give them a mishapar. You can't give them a curse for backing out if there's a situation of loss. He can back out because there was a loss. He's not, he's, not, he's not locked into it yet. But if you say that, the, that it's really a Kenyan, just it's at a, at a level of, of uh, Mishapara, which really means it was, a, it was an effective Kenyan, but Chazal reduced that, that it's not going to be fully valid until he gets it. But let's say the item, let's say he saw the fire coming and he did not back out. In other words, he did not take advantage of the Shemel Yipod Leiko. So once the fire came, it's too late to back out. Because the, essentially, it's really yours. You just had a right to back out. You had a right to take advantage of the Chakon of Chachamim. So the, the way the Chazam Sefer is saying it's a little bit more even than what we said. It's not just at the volume of a level of Kenyan, of a Mishapara. It's actually a full-blown uh, Kenyan. It's just it was sort of reduced. It gives you like a, a loophole to back out if needed. So he, he, has, he wants to back out. That backing out can only take place before. However, according to the other shittas that hold you can back out, even afterwards, it must mean that the item doesn't belong at all to the buyer. And therefore, if any kind of damage happens, even after the damage takes place, the buyer has every right to back out because it's never his yet. Now, this first opinion of the Balamar is Shittas Rashi. If it's then near Shittas Rashi, Mashakasa, Bamitsiya, Bemzayinu, and Bez, there are Masakaftik and Rachom, Mashikal, and Kechai, and Shom. Umishamach, Yafa, Pirish Rashi, the Yochal, Amarchal, Kaddish, Ishaba, Kesef. Unbelievable Kiddish. That the, according to Rashi, 
the, according to Shittas Rashi, which is a, follows the lines of the Balamar, that the sale was really a sale just with a right to back out. So according to that opinion, really the money belongs to the seller, right? Because the rice of the Kenyan is a good Kenyan. It's just they allowed the buyer to take advantage of the loophole. They didn't make that the Kenyan is binding on the buyer. He has a right to retract. However, since technically the money is already the seller's, so if the seller takes the money and he's Makadish and Isha with it, he married, which is a Dairais, so the rule is whenever we use this example of being Makadish and Isha with money, it's another way of saying that it's fully his money, because it works even for a Dairaisa, which Kedushin would be the, the highest level of Kenyan needed, and it still it works. So we see that the sale is really a valid sale. So according to the Ramban, the sale was nothing. And it now needs a Mashiach to make anything happen. I, Mishapara, Mishapara is just a side deterrent. But of course, he would not be able to Mekadosh Isha, the Mecha would not be the owner of the money, he would not be able to Mekadosh Isha with this money. Now there's a slight problem over here, the Rashi and Gittin seems to hold like the Ramban in this sense. And the Chesam Seifer continues to discuss how to work out the different shitas. So we see from the Chesam Seifer a very important thing. That when Chazal came along and they said that money is not kind of, does that mean that they took away the Kenyan that the Torah said? Or does that mean simply that they said that they gave permission for the two sides to still back out and they don't remain fully bound by the Kenyan, they have a right to back out? Now the difference, like we just said, would be whose money is it technically? Technically, whose money is it? Is the money the buyer, the sellers, that because it was a valid sale, the derice remains, or the money belongs to the buyer because nothing ever happened, and the Mishapara is only a side deterrent. That's, that's the discussion before that. The Machrafraim says a similar thing. Machrafraim discusses over here if the buyer, and the, I'm sorry, if the seller can use the money to Makadish and Isha, which is the same exact thing. That of course, like we mentioned before from the Chesam Cipher, that if the money belongs to the seller, and, and based on the Torah's Kenyan, therefore it's going to be Chal, and the Kenyan is now going to work, uh, for, to be Makadish the Isha, the Kenyan that he made to be Makadish the is going to work, because the money belongs to the Meicher, and the, the right to back out is only, is only something that, that they, they, can take, they can avail themselves of, but if they don't, the Kenyan will remain with the money itself. Machlefrayim is on the right column. V'oid uh, Efshelahavin. The Kavonis Rashi, who heich shalikech kiddush ba'aser chayvitz isha kaidem shemoshach. The Avul Pishach Hachom hefkiu kiniyase v'lav diday nenu mikol makom kivim diday raisa kono v'diday avi harezim ekudashes the gabi yisrael v'kiddush Hachom kiniyase. So here he's actually saying it the other way around. He's saying that. The Lekeach is going to be using the Chayfetz that he bought to be Mekadosh and Isha. So that would, be, that would be dependent on the same discussion. If we say the sale is valid biblically, just as a right to retract, or we say that the item is still 100% belonging to the seller and there's no right to retract. That would be dependent on the two ways that look at it.